Hello, and welcome back to Mommyhood Redeemed. I'm here with Vanessa. Hi. And over here in Colorado, most of our schools have started and are in full swing, but um, we are still over here prepping for our first homeschool year with our kids, and we're excited, and it's a bit crazy, and we're really excited to see what the Lord has for us in this first homeschooling year, and I bet you're pretty busy over there too, Vanessa. Yes, I'm so excited for you too. Um, Lauren and I are actually using a lot of the same curriculum, so we're excited just to see how the Lord uses that. And life, I feel like here is finally starting to normalize a little bit, um, and we're feeling more settled. And just the same thing, just getting everything ready to start um, school, hopefully this next week. So we will see how that goes. (laughs) But today... We wanted to talk about something that we think that every single Christian and non-Christian struggles with. Obviously, the non-Christians don't see it as a struggle, but it's something that all of our little kiddos and our care battle on a daily basis. And it's something that we are trying to train them in and pray that the spirit would really convict them over all while we're praying that we too ourselves would be setting an example that's worthy of following And it's one of those things that is, I think, deemed as a respectable sin. And that's complaining. I remember reading a book years ago by Jerry Bridges called Respectable Sins. And it was about these sins that we kind of don't see as sin. The sins that get overlooked or excused and never dealt with because they're not the ones that are out in the open or they're not so heinous and terrible. Yet grumbling and complaining... um, often gets put on this list and it's just something that we become accustomed to. It's something that we do and we don't even identify it as a sin. We're not repenting of it and trying to change. But I don't think for me, at least it was until I had kids that I really started to see the ugliness of complaining Mm -hmm. and that it really is actually evil and see why God himself hates complaining both in their lives and in our own In Philippians 2, verse 14, it says to do all things without grumbling or disputing, complaining. I recite that verse so much um, to my kids. But in a society that really is rampant with complaining and grumbling, it's often easy as Christians and as mamas to become discontent and to have a complaining heart and attitude as well. And in turn, that's the example that we're setting for our kids to follow. In our family, we're currently going through the Old Testament during our family devotion time, and we're just talking um, the other night about the nation of Israel, and they're complaining, and how so many times the Lord provided for them, and he proved his faithfulness, and yet, time and time again, over and over, they forgot, and they just went back to their old ways, giving into their flesh, and just complaining. And I know that my kids and I were sitting there, and we're wondering, what on earth how could you forget God split the Red Sea in half for you guys to walk through? He sent manna from the sky, put a cloud over you to shield you from the sun and to keep you warm at night. Hello, what is going on? <laughs> Seriously. And yet we we really do the same thing and how often we forget and how ugly it really is. And I think first and foremost, we have to acknowledge the fact that complaining and whining and grumbling, which, you know, they're all really the same. Any word you really want to call it, it's sin. 
It is a fruit of a discontent heart, an ungrateful and unthankful heart. It is a selfish heart, a heart that wants it and wants it its own way and not what God wants and a heart that desires control, a heart that desires self-indulgence, a heart that wants it, wants what it wants and it wants it now, no matter what. It's a heart that thinks it knows better than God. And, you know, if we think back to Genesis in the garden, Satan played on this fleshly desire when he talked to Eve. He wanted Eve to be discontent with what God had provided for her, to want more than what she had been blessed with. And it was the first complainer. It was Adam when he blamed God and said, God, the woman that you gave me. So what does this look like practically in our homes, in our hearts, and in our child rearing? We have to deal with our own problem first before we can help train our kids in this, right? And we have to acknowledge our ungrateful hearts if we struggle with that or, you know, when we do struggle with that. We need to repent of it and fill our minds with truth. And when we're tempted to distrust God, to complain, to wonder what is going on, we must remember who God is and how faithful he has always been, both to us and in history past. And look to the examples in scripture, look to the examples in your own life and remember. And then another practical way we can do this for ourselves is to make a list of things we have to be thankful for. And I guarantee that you won't be able to fit them all on one piece of paper. There are countless common graces and blessings the Lord has bestowed upon us. We just have to stop and remember. And Then we also need to help our children when they're tempted to and give into that desire to complain, whine, and grumble. And we can teach them Philippians 2.14, which Vanessa just read, and help them to see the sin of it and the need for repentance and change. Go with them before the Lord, asking for forgiveness and a changed heart and perspective. Let them see what there is to be thankful for. And there's so many ways to do that. And we have in our own home, a whiteboard and each morning we, we, everybody, you know, says what they're thankful for. And we all write that down. And, you know, yeah, there's some amazing things that are written down. Like we are thankful for our socks or <laughs> our shoes. We're thankful for our underwear. And, you know, of course that one gets a lot of laughs every time. Um, we're thankful for our house and our dog and our mommy and daddy's jobs and, when the board gets full, we go over it again, um, everything that we all we all um, named. And when my kids complain about, you know, here's a little example from today, not getting that snow cone today. When, you know, usually when we go to this park, we get a snow cone. And it's something that they complain about all day long. I'll take them aside and we'll talk about it. Like, first of all, complaining and the, you're showing an ungrateful heart. And we'll talk together about the times we did get a snow cone and how great it was. And if we had a good attitude that shows thankfulness and really quick, I'm not saying that being bummed is sinful because it's not, but it's their reaction and how they carry on after that. Um, And then the next time mom and dad, if you have a happy heart and you react, you know, in a, in a God glorifying way, we're more likely to do snow cones next time. And so anyways, when our hearts are thankful, the complaining slows and it's a sin that's continuously being worked on, especially in the younger years, but really all throughout life. I, I truly do struggle with it on a daily basis and um, learning to be content in Christ is so hard, but it is so rewarding. I love that example with the whiteboard, something 
we might just have to implement. (laughs) So second, we have to realize why we tend to complain and why our kids do it. It's not a secret to any of us that we live in this microwave materialistic society that is really just breeding selfishness and self-indulgent children. We cater to them because we're catered to, and we really cater to their wants and not even think about their needs. Discontentment is bred within the home, and then it filters into all of their life. We have people who leave churches nowadays because they don't like the music style or their kids don't like the way the kids ministry goes and the list goes on. A discontent, self-indulgent culture is such a dangerous place for us to be. And even us inside the church aren't exempt from it. We're affected by it and we're often tempted to follow in its footsteps. It's a curiosity curiosity to me that the most indulgent society is the most discontent society that the more people have, the more they seem to be discontent with what they have and the more complaining they seem to do. Just think about celebrities In first Corinthians 10 verse eight, it says, nor let us act immorally. Don't let us act immorally as some of them did. This is the people in the wilderness with Moses that he's talking about. 23,000 of them fell in one day. Nor let us test the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, the snakes. Verse 10 is the key. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. I'm quoting John MacArthur, by the way. He said, now you say to me, John, why did you read us this? Well, I'll tell you, look at verse 11. These things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction. John MacArthur says it well, now beloved, I'll put it simply for me so that I don't have to go through all of the history with you, but just this little part of the history of Israel, that it is, this is the classic illustration of how God feels about people who are discontent and malcontent and complaining. It's a serious sin. It's directed at a God who has ordered your circumstances, complaining. And let me say it to you. And here's the definition I want you to hold on to. Complaining is the symptom of a deep-seated spiritual problem. And what is it? A failure to trust God and a failure to submit to his providential will. Complaining is a deep-seated spiritual problem. It's not superficial. And at its roots, it's a failure to trust God. And that's a serious sin. Because if you believe not God, you're making him a liar. And it's also a failure or a rejection of his providential will. It's distrust against God and non-submission to his plan and his purpose for your life. And it's a serious sin. God hates it. And if you want to know how serious it is, look in the Bible. He's killed people for it. And he says that what he did to them, slaughtering them in the wilderness, is an example to you and to me in the end of the age of how God feels about this sin of complaining. Yikes. This is serious. It isn't some petty problem, respectable sin, something we can just cast to the side and not deal with. It has to be dealt with head on. It has to be fought against. We need self-control to stop the complaining in our homes. And it has to start with us in our hearts. We complain because things don't go the way that we expect or the way we want or the way we plan. We complain when people, aka our kids and spouse usually, don't measure up to what we want or expect of them. 
We complain when the toast burns or the milk spilled or we're late to an appointment or someone disobeys in the store. We complain when we can't afford what we want. We just complain and complain and complain. Uh, John MacArthur went on to continue to say in Lamentations 339, listen to it, write it down because you'll want to go back to it. Two little lines, but they're profound. Why should any living mortal or any man offer a complaint in view of his sins? Mm. Who in the world are you to complain in view of your sins? What do you deserve? You deserve hell and so do I. What should I complain about? Well, so that ugly theme of complaining is the heart of this passage and it's one that God absolutely detests, the sin of complaining. And honestly, it's sad, but I really have never realized more than I have now after having kids, how much I complain and really how horrible it is. I mean, I complain about the smallest things that don't even matter all day long, the things that I don't have control over, you know, when my baby's nap doesn't happen the way that I want it to, or it doesn't last long enough when my kids wake up in the middle of the night and I don't get my full night of sleep when somebody cuts me off when I'm driving or, you know, there's too many people in line at the grocery store and it's going to put me late. When I accidentally, the other day, I accidentally put the blender cap on the wrong way and my shake went all (laughs) over the counter and the cabinets and just so many little things that I just complain about. And You know, when my kids are needing more correction, for example, and training than usual, I complain about that. And the list just goes on. And at the bottom of it, I'm forgetting who's in control. I'm forgetting who's in charge. And I'm forgetting that, you know, he's working even these little difficulties or things that seem, you know, nuisances or annoyances in my eyes he's involved in all of those little things and he is working all of those things together for my good to make me more like Christ. And like John MacArthur said, who am I to complain in view of what I deserve? I don't deserve anything. And yet he blesses me immensely. And here I am complaining about things that do not even matter. Oh my goodness. It's so true. And now what about our kids? Why do they complain? Well, you know, of course, their sin nature leads them to their flesh. And it starts very young before they're two. We say tantrums, arching backs, tears, you name it, when baby doesn't get his or her way. And we see whining and grumbling on a daily basis, hourly basis, even sometimes. And Mm -hmm. yes, (laughs) our kids need to be taught how to speak and not whine, how to stop with the grumbling. But ultimately, a heart change has to take place. Just like all the other episodes we've done, it it really comes back to the heart. And we can put a bandage on the outside, but if the heart isn't changed, even though a behavior may be, then it really doesn't matter. Complaining in the heart is just as vile to a holy God. And that goes for both of us and our kids. And um, But the sad and scary reality is that kids complain a lot of the time because they follow our example. And... They see mom get mad at a bad driver, you know, upset over the spilled Cheerios, mad that baby didn't nap well, and the list goes on. There's so many different reasons, and most of them are kind of silly, at least in our house. And and then our kids follow suit. When things don't go the way they want them to, they too complain. 
And what would happen though, if they saw us respond rightly in times of frustration and difficulty, confusion, or uncertainty, if they saw a mom who found joy in the Lord, even when times were hard, who laughed at the future, as Proverbs 31 says, if they saw a mom who said, you know what? It's okay that today didn't go the way that we expected because God had other plans and he is in control. And if you look back at Philippians 2 and read the context, this is what Paul says. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Interesting that an individual who is without grumbling and complaining is one who is blameless and who will shine bright for Christ being a good witness to the world. In verse 13, he's saying, work out your salvation. How do you do that? You guys, without grumbling or complaining. And John MacArthur says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. Isn't that very narrow and very limited? No, that's the attitude that fits the general command. Why? Because life isn't going to always serve you up what you'd like. God's going to allow you to go through trials and testings and difficulties, not to make you great, but to help you pray, to teach you to trust, to teach you to be grateful and thankful for what you have, because you can see the hard things as well. So this is not a narrow, isolated command. This is a broad, general attitude that in all things related to your working out your salvation, you do them without ever grumbling or ever disputing. So Paul is saying, look, in working out your salvation, the basic attitude is an attitude that does not complain. Why? You're living in a very fallen world. You're living in the fallen flesh. It isn't always going to be the way you like it. The people around you aren't always going to be the way you'd like them. The circumstances aren't always going to be euphoric and perfect. It's not going to be an idealistic world. You work out your salvation in all the things that you do, and in all the circumstances you find yourself, don't ever complain because God hates that. And he judges it severely as an example to you of how he feels about it. My goodness, that's so convicting. Mm -hmm. For God to spend time talking about this heart attitude throughout scripture obviously shows us that this is a serious sin to him. And it really is prevalent among all mankind. And it's something that we should never excuse, but should always deal with head on. So we have a little challenge for both of us um, and for you. We want to try to not complain at all just for one day. And I'm confident that if we look for it for one whole day and strive not to do it, we're going to realize how much we actually do. We see it in our kids so easily. We're pointed out all the time. Stop Mm -hmm. whining, stop complaining. But the question is, do we see it in ourselves? We have to set the example for them and for our witness to the world. Living faithfully and purely 
is a prerequisite for fulfilling the Lord's mandate to carry his divine message of salvation to a world lost in sin. The quality of a believer's life, whether faithful and obedient or unfaithful and disobedient, is the platform of his testimony. So a grumbling, complaining Christian is not going to have a positive effect on others for obvious reasons. Unbelievers are not attracted to that kind of life. I sure wouldn't be if someone was complaining and grumbling all the Mm -hmm. time. We can't expect to make even the slightest spiritual dent in our world with our words if our lives don't even back up what we say. And that cuts all the way down to our attitudes. If we're incessantly complaining like the world does, how are we going to attract people to the truth? It's the gospel that gives us the freedom to not succumb to the prevailing spirit of discontentment. And it's our discipline of contentment that lends credibility to the gospel we preach. The way that believers live as children of God has a dramatic impact on how they influence this godless world around them. But just as right doctrine without right character is hypocritical and ineffective, well, so is right living ineffective if believers are not proclaiming gospel truth. And that was John MacArthur quote, quoting him a lot in this, in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a couple sermons on, complaining that we highly recommend they're Mm -hmm. so um, encouraging and convicting all at the same time so let's strive not to be a wife or a mom who complains but one who sets a tone for the family to do the same a mom whose heart is thankful and sees goodness and faithfulness of God in every aspect of her life and those around her So thanks so much for listening today. We look forward to continuing on this journey with you all as we seek to redeem mommyhood every day for God's glory through the power of the gospel.